Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Sportsmall's Premier League preview podcast. I'm Barney Corkill. I'm here with Pascal Lemaire to run through a game week that includes the Weirtine Derby between Sunderland and Newcastle, a match of particular importance for both sides in the bottom three, while at the other end of the table we have the Manchester Derby at Old Trafford. We start at Villa Park though, where two out-of-form teams go head-to-head as Aston Villa hosts Swansea. Pascal, we'll start with Villa. Five defeats on the bounce now. Yeah, really, really struggling, aren't they? Down to 19th in the table now because obviously Newcastle had that big win against Norwich, so they went above them. And yeah, like you say, five defeats in a row, really, really poor form. And I don't, I mean, last time out, 2 0 defeated Chelsea. I don't think many people would have expected them to get anything there, despite, you know, Chelsea did lose their last home game uh, against Southampton. So then that came before the international break, two week break. You expected Chelsea to come back and win that game. And. Certainly Villa, they weren't too bad and you, weren't, you wouldn't say Chelsea were fantastic in any way but it was a classic sort of 2-0. They took advantage, They took their chance when they came, Chelsea. You know, the first goal, certainly Sherwood will be really annoyed about how that was scored. You know, a, a poor clearance from Guzan. I mean, he put Lescott under pressure with that. It was a, quite a firm pass to a centre-back who's then facing his goal and he obviously then miscontrols it. Chelsea go clear, squares to Costa, it's an easy finish. And then the second goal again, you know, whereas the first goal was a, a bad mistake on their part, very unlucky with that second goal, the way of deflection, you know, looped off Hutton. I think, you know, Costa was trying to square it and then he ended up going in the net. So that was unfortunate. But to be honest, Villa, you know, didn't really deserve anything out of that game. And yeah, five defeats in a row, they're really struggling. I do think there's some positives to take from that game. Chelsea in recent times have sometimes put four or five eight past them if I remember correctly once so there are some positives to take from that but as you say the form is just terrible no one in eight since the opening day they've lost seven of those so only one point since that mm-hmm. opening victory over Bournemouth and mm-hmm. you thought after that win over Bournemouth things might be looking might be looking a bit better for them because it was a tough place to go on the opening day but since then Sherwood just hasn't managed to get his troops going and he's the type of person who he said it himself in his um, post-match interview but if he's in a corner he'll come out swinging and he'll try and fight and he will fight till the end but Patience has got to be wearing thin with him because he just hasn't done it so far with Aston Villa. He's lost some key players. You've got to give him. Um, you've got to say that for him. But down to 19th in this terrible form, they need to pick up some wins and they need to pick up some soon. As I say, some positives against Chelsea and there's nothing he could really do about either goals. It was just individual error and a piece <coughs> of bad luck. So it, the rub of the green isn't really going with Sherwood at the moment, but he does need to start getting results on the board. He certainly does, yeah. And I think most people seem to be of the ilk that um, you know Sherwood should be given more time. You know, he is the right man for the job. And I think when you just look at the Villa squad on paper, you'd say it's certainly one of the weakest in the league. You know, they did lose some key players, Delph and Benteke, in the summer. So I think certainly he should be given more time. But you know, the way they're going at the moment, all that bad form we just talked about, and you certainly think this game in particular, a home to Swansea, who are going to talk about really out of form themselves. This this really feels like a must-win game for them at home. They've had some poor home results this season. You know, they haven't won at Villa Park in the league this season yet. And you look at this game, then their upcoming fixtures in the league after this. So they go to Spurs. You know, have been playing well recently. Then City at home. Then Everton away in the next three league games after this. So you certainly feel that. This game at home to Swansea really is a must-win for them because, you know, if they don't win, it's hard to see when that next win will be coming. And it's quite an interesting subplot because Gary Monk's been linked with the Aston Villa job should show a go, and it's a bit of a strange one for me. If I was Gary Monk, I wouldn't leave Swansea for Aston Villa at the moment. Obviously, Villa historically they're a bigger club; they've won the European Cup in the past. But Swansea at the moment, much more exciting club. They look like they've got a brighter future. Having said that, the form is not good at all at the moment after that really good start to the season. No winning five in the league now, and last time out against Stoke at home fall into a 1-0 defeat it was a bit of a nothing game they hit that they did hit the post but other than that they didn't they never really looked like scoring there was no clear-cut chances say perhaps a bit unlucky with the penalty I think it's an increasingly contentious issue isn't it what mm. was Bojan clever or, or did he did he cheat by putting his leg across for me it's a bit of a so, bit of a soft one because there's nothing Ashley Williams can do about that it's just I can see why people would say it's clever play by Bojan, but he's, he's sort of conned the referee for me. So I think they're a, a bit unfortunate with that, but still, they didn't do enough to get anything out of the game, really. And it's a complete different Swansea at the moment. We were praising them, rightly so, in August, but since then, they just haven't got going. Yeah, I certainly agree with you on the Bojan point there. I think the referee has to see that they were running you know, parallel to each other, side by side, and Williams didn't move across particularly. It was Bojan's leg that clearly came across, and... 
you know, if anything, that should probably make it a foul the other way because he's the one that's then obstructed Williams. And but he goes down, he he falls over, and in real time, it is hard to spot that. But certainly, yeah, it's, for me, it's not a penalty. And but like you say, from there, didn't deserve anything. And you know, you talked about that form in August. That's when Au and Gomez were playing so well. And Au continues to look bright in some parts, but Gomez, he had an absolute shocker on Monday night. Really, really poor. You know, even with his back to goal, he lost the ball. A couple of shots he tried from range were comically bad you know one he dragged wide the other he hit into you know Rosehead really really poor and I certainly you know Gomez had that run sort of at the end of last season start of this season where he was scoring in all those games but I think over sort of a longer period you have to look at his overall form and how good a player he is for me he's not quite there I mean I think he's a good enough striker to play in the Premier League for sure but I don't think he's certainly if Swansea have sort of top seven aspirations he's not a starting striker for a top uh, top seven side for me and I think they might have to start unless he finds his form in soon they might have to start thinking about you know, really reinvesting that Barney money. So they didn't really spend too much of it in the summer, did they? And I think in January, if they're still struggling for goals like they have been of late, I think they should really go in for another big striker because it, that's, that certainly can make a difference. Then you look at the players around the Swansea strikers, Sigurdsson, Montero, you know, Au. They're all quality players, but I think they just need a, a striker up there who's got a bit more quality, not only scoring goals, but his back to goal and linking play as well because I don't really see that from Gomez. So it's two sides in needs of a win. Swansea have won the last three meetings between the two teams. Which way do you see this one going? I, it's, a, it's a tough game to call, but I just Villa at the moment. I really, it's hard to see them getting a win to be honest. And I, I think Swansea would nick this one. I can't see it being a particularly entertaining game. Both these sides really struggling late, but I think Swansea might nick it one 0 Yeah, I agree with the Swansea victory. I can see them returning to a bit of form. You look on squad, uh, the squad on paper, and Swansea they've just got a better team at the moment, and Villa the form they're in. As you say, you can't see them getting anything. I'm going to go for a two-one Swansea victory. So both going for one-goal victories for Swansea. Now to the King Power Stadium, where two of the top six clash as Leicester take on Crystal Palace. Well, we'll start with Leicester sitting fifth in the table after that two-two draw with Southampton. Yeah, it's incredible how they keep doing. Is it in another comeback um, point for them? I think there's seven points they've uh, rescued from losing positions now. Just when they get that momentum going, they're so hard to stop. Southampton looked to have the game in control at two-nil up at half-time. Looked like Leicester were out dead and buried, but you can never count this Leicester side out. Vardy again inspired the comeback. Two more goals for him. Takes him up to nine for the season in the nine games, which is three more than anyone else. Which, when you consider Aguero got five in one game, there's, it's quite a remarkable figures. It's six straight games he scored, and now eight goals in that time. Just, just no stopping him at the moment. And for a while, I, was, I, I always consider Vardy, he's not the most talented player around, but his work rate makes him so hard for defenders to play against. And he, he's finishing these chances, so... You know, he's playing non-league football for Fleetwood Town a few years ago, but right now he's looking more than at home in the Premier League. You have to say he's worthy of his England place at the moment. And he's just taken up the mantle where Mahrez left off early in the season. Certainly did, yeah. I think Mahrez, you know, like you say, at the start of the season, he was the real star. And Vardy's really, yeah, like you say, taken the mantle there. And I certainly think that the difference between the two players, you mentioned Vardy's work right there, that's the real difference. And I think and you wonder why Mahrez, he's just he hasn't started the last two games, I don't think, and he's playing so well at the start of the season and didn't really seem to lose his form at all, but Ranieri's opted not to start him in the last two. He came on uh, half-time against Southampton uh, for, for Okazaki and he set up Vardy's equaliser, great through ball, perfectly weighted for, uh, for Vardy. And you think, why isn't he starting more every single game? Because he's certainly probably the most talented player in terms of technical ability in the squad, but... Maybe I think if Ranieri's thinking about maybe defensively, Leicester have conceded 17 goals in nine games and perhaps the fact that Mares could be a bit of a luxury player, you know, he's a very slight player, doesn't offer you much, he won't work back too hard, he's not going to be very strong in the tackle, so maybe Ranieri thinks he's a luxury he can't afford at the moment, but you know, it's not exactly like him being out of the team's helped Leicester keep clean sheets, obviously conceding two against Southampton, so perhaps he might be come back into contention here, but he's a key player for them. He is, and I... I look at the fact that two different managers have left him out now, Pearson, who's in and out of the team under Nigel Pearson last season, and he is obviously the best player in terms of ability in that Leicester side, obviously Vardy's in the best form at the moment, but Mahrez, he's he's got the ability to win a match on his own with that skill he's got, we saw at the start of the season, he was in fantastic form, the best player in the league for the first four games or so. I just wonder whether there's maybe a problem on the training ground, maybe he doesn't put everything into training if a couple of different managers have left him out despite that obvious ability, but you'll never know. But it is a strange one that he's not starting every game because for me, he he is their best player and with him on the pitch, Leicester always looked like more of a threat. They certainly did against Southampton when he came on. But looking ahead to this game, this one's a tough one. We're going to talk about Palace's away form in a moment, but after this, they've got West Brom away, Watford at home, then Newcastle away, which are three games they'll fancy picking up three points from in each of them, um, the form they're in at the moment. So sitting fifth place at the moment, can't see them dropping too far below that. 
And Palace coming to this game just a point below them uh, in sixth place after that 3-1 home defeat to West Ham last time. Certainly before that game it was billed as the game, you know, the two best away teams in the league, Palace and West Ham, been doing so well. Some some people picking West Ham to come come away with the points and they did so thanks to two late goals, wasn't it? Lanzini and Pae at the end and, you know, Palace, they had that man sent off to White Gale in the first half and it was always going to be difficult. It looked like they were going to hold out until the 88th minute and, you know, the second goal, the, the key goal, the Lanzini one, that was quite unlucky the way, you know, clearance, he was just stood there in the box, hit his shin, cannon straight into the net and then Pae obviously finished it off with that great finish. But, you know, before that it was Kabai's penalty that got him level. I think he's third straight penalty, so he's obviously having no problems in the spot. But the Gale incident really changed the game, didn't it? And certainly, I think for me, you know, I think Klattenberg certainly could have given him a final warning as a tackle. You know, it was a, a bit rash, you know, the way he lunged in, but there wasn't loads of contact, sort of caught him on the top of the boot. And I think I think he could have given him a final warning there. But now that he's out for this one, you know, you wonder what um, Parge's going to do up front because, you know, some games this season he's played, he hasn't really played with a natural strike. He's played Sacco, Balassi, you know, Anza Hart, all three of them up there. But I think Connor Wickham could be close to coming in back, uh, could be returning here. And Patrick Bamford, you know, hasn't really played at all this season, has he? I think maybe he could, get, he could give him a go in this one, but he's obviously not been too impressed on the training field or with the substitute appearances because he hasn't really played that much at all. Yeah, on that Gale red card, I think Klattenberg, he could have been lenient, but it would have been leniency, I think, from him. But you can see exactly why he gave the uh, the second yellow card. It was a mistimed challenge. I don't think there was any malice in either of them. I think it was the, the same enthusiasm that made him such a pain to the West Ham defence. But during his time on the field, that actually got him both yellow cards. But you can see why Klattenberg gave it. I don't think Pardew can have too many complaints. He could have been lenient, but as I say, you can see why he gave it. But looking ahead to this one, Palace will be happy to be away from home again, as we mentioned, so much better on the road. Nine of the they've won nine of the last twelve Premier League away games, which is a fantastic record. Won nine of sixty-one before that, so just goes to show how much of improvement Pardew has done uh, in in his time at the club, particularly away from home. When we talked about the players, the sort of players they got, the Balassies, the Zahars, and exactly why they're such a threat away from home. Looking ahead to um, the next few games, they've got Man City away in the League Cup, Manchester United at home, and then Liverpool away. Tough games, and they'll be happy to still be in and around the European places after that run, but the way they're playing at the moment, particularly away from home, they'll be confident of um, giving those big boys a test. Certainly, yeah, but do you see them giving Leicester a test here? What's your score prediction? I do see them giving them a test and just Palace's away form is too too good to ignore at the moment. Leicester, they like to play open, there's always goals in their matches and I think Palace have got the tools to hurt them. I can see another high scoring game always seems to be with Leicester so I'm going to go for 3-2 Palace. 3-2, yeah. I fancy Palace to score 3 as well but I don't think Leicester will be as close this week. I think Palace might just prove too strong and I'm going to go 3-1 away win so both picking Palace to win this one. On to Carrow Road now where Norwich City are hosting West Bromwich Albion. Pascal, we've got to start with Norwich. 6-2 defeat to Newcastle last time out. Yeah, they're on a bit of a bad run, aren't they? No winning four in the Premier League, down 16th in the table. You know, they had some good results in the first couple of months, but struggling of late. And yeah, 6-2 to Newcastle, who you know hadn't won a game in the league before that. Obviously, does read very badly, but watching the game back, looking at the stats, it's certainly a bit of a harsh result on them. You know, in the first half, every time they fell behind, they got a goal back, and it was 3-2 at the break. They were certainly in the game then, but uh, two goals in, I think it was two minutes in the second half, sort of midway through the second half. That was when it got away from them. And you look back at the stats, you know, Newcastle only has six shots on target, so certainly, you know, it's not like they completely dominated the game. Obviously, Vijnaldum very clinical. Perez as well, Mitrovic taking their chances. And, you know, Vijnaldum as well as scoring, as well as scoring four, you know, he cleared one off the line as well. They hit the post twice. Norwich Brady with that fantastic long-range effort in the first half. So, they certainly caused Newcastle a lot of problems you know for, for most of the game you know in in play it was quite an even contest but Newcastle just had that game where you know everything goes in for them and yeah 6-2 very harsh on Norwich but they certainly need a win soon because they are struggling yeah you might think it would be quite hard to take any positives out of a 6-2 defeat but I think there are other positives to take for Alex Neil they certainly seem to have the goals in their side to to cause some size problems two against Newcastle could have easily been five against Newcastle as you mentioned the one cleared off the line two hit the post Houlihan as well as Brady's long range effort so they got the goals there but the big concern would have been defensively Ruddy six shots on target to face conceded six goals but to be honest he couldn't really have done anything about any of them the defence was was poor at times they just opened up for Wijnaldum didn't, they gave him far too much space didn't track his late runs into the box uh, same with Mitrovic his goal he, he, the, the defence lost him for that they've now unsurprisingly after conceding six in one game got the worst defence in the league with 20 conceded in nine games that's an area they really need to improve because if you're going to stay in this division you can't be shipping goals like that and 
Norwich, we, I said they, they've got a good attacking threat in their team, but not good enough to um, counteract conceding that many goals. So that is probably the, the number one priority for Alex Neal at the moment, to, to shore up his defence, because if you're shipping that many goals, you're not going to stay in the division. No, certainly not. And you mentioned the defence there, but he's also, he's also got quite a different cho- uh, interesting choice up front of who he plays, because Mbakani started that game, scored that goal, really good finish actually, the way he ran into the box, found a bit of space, great cross from Olsen as well. You know, He stuck it away there before that Cameron Jerome was the starting striker but he's got Gary Hooper Lewis Graben both nearing full fitness now so he's got the option there of sort of four strikers he's only going to play one of them and certainly be interesting to see who he goes with because you know certainly you look at the attack stats they've got the eighth best attack in the league 14 goals in nine games not really struggling to score goals but he hasn't really got that one striker who he feels is going to even get to double figures this season you think he just might need to find that because the players around him you know Redmond's been on really good form but you think the way Redmond's playing uh, you know opposition teams might target him more and try and shut him down a bit more and if, if they do that and he gets kept quiet they need that striker who really looks clinical it's a good finish from Mbukani but I'm not sure he's the guy to really lead the line maybe Hooper grabbing Jerome it's hard to say really but they don't really have a standout front man and whoever does play up front, they might fancy a chance against West Brom because they haven't really been what you'd expect from a Tony Pulis side defensively so far. They've shipped a few more goals than expected. Did keep a clean sheet last time out in a, against Sunderland. Sam Allardyce's first game in charge. Always a difficult one when you're coming up against a new manager, so they'll be happy to come away with the three points there. A bit of a nothing game, you'd have to say. They were a bit lucky to get away with the victory with the, the way Berahino got his goal. It's there's probably three contentious issues in that goal which could have been given from the referee but I have to say Pantelimon should have done better for Sunderland as well but Berahino he stuck it away he was in the right place the referee um, didn't give it so West Brom come away with the three points it's a good win for them they haven't had the most convincing start to the season that was a match they would have lined up and said we need three points from this against the Sunderland side who have struggled so badly at the start of the season and obviously got rid of Dick Havergat brought in Sam Allardyce so all in all not the best performance, but a good three points and an important victory. Certainly was, and I think, yeah, the goal probably shouldn't have stood. I think the first challenge when he goes up for the ball, Pantilamon, he had two hands on the ball, and he should never have let it go, but it was the second one where Pantilamon jumped back on, he seemed to have two hands on the ball, and that's where Birahino got it away. But I think certainly in real time, it was very hard for the referee to spot, and you know, that's another goal for Berahino, that's three and four for him now, so he's, you know, he's back to form, which is so, so important for West Brom, because the other strikers they've got up there, Rondon, he sort of came in and did well in his first couple of games, but he's gone really quiet. Ricky Lambert hasn't scored since February, I don't think. He's going through a real dry spell. So, Berahino back on the score sheet is good, and they need—they certainly need that, because going forward, they've only scored seven goals this season. Only Watford with six have scored fewer than them. So, they need Berahino to continue that, and they just need more goals from elsewhere, because he's obviously Berahino, that's half of their goals he's scored now. And, you know, there's just not many other players that you think are going to be chipping in, say, sort of five, six goals a season. You can't really see that, the players they've got, but they need someone to really step forward, whether that's a wide man, a central midfielder, or one of the other strikers. They need something like that because they're not scoring goals at the moment. Obviously, a clean sheet against Sunderland, you know, the Pulis side's usually good at the back, but if they want to push, you know, anywhere near the top half, they need to start scoring goals from all areas of the pitch. So it's a struggling attack versus a leaky defence. Which mm-hmm. way do you see it going? Um, it's a really, really tough game to call, actually. I think certainly Norwich will be lower on confidence given their you know, poor form at the moment. But I think they should be able to give West Brom a game here. And I don't have to say a draw, one all. Yeah, I completely agree. I can't really separate these two teams. Neither made the best start to the season, but both will be confident of getting something out of this game. So I'm also going to go for one all draw. So neither of us two can separate these two teams. To Britannia Stadium, where Inform Stoke hosts Watford. Barnes will start with Stoke here, really flying at the moment. Another 1 0 win on Monday night against Swansea. Yeah, four wins in a row for Stoke now. They didn't have the best start to the season, but you always thought with the transfer window, had the, the players they brought in and the players they already had in the team, they'd, st- they'd start moving up the table and Hughes has finally got them playing as he wants them to play and they're starting to look like the team we expected the, t- the team that might push for European football because four wins in the row is fantastic three of them come in the league only three of them come in the league mind but still a really good run of form and the win against Swansea it was a bit of a nothing game decided by Bojan's fourth minute penalty a bit of a contentious penalty for me probably not one people saying Bojan perhaps clever putting his leg across but yeah as I say I think he's conned the referee a bit I don't, it wasn't a dive by any means I don't think he perhaps should have been booked and you can see why he's done it you can see why people think he's clever because he's he has bought the penalty and at the end of the day he's trying to win the, the the match for his side so you can see why he's done it I don't think Hughes would be would be having a word with him for doing it because um, at the end of the day it got him the three points but for me he has conned the referee a bit I think uh, Ashley Williams it was very harsh on him because he couldn't really do anything about it but a win away against Swansea who we know started the season really well dropped off a bit um, in, in the month's Prior to prior to that game, but 
still a tough team to play. So to get a, a win, a clean sheet at the Liberty Stadium, up to 11th in the table, everything looks like everything looks good at the moment for Stoke. Certainly, some of their players just seem to be finding their feet a bit. You know, Bojan coming back, he's now full fitness, isn't he? And certainly, a player that stood out for me is Arnautovic playing really, really well, and for Austria over the international break as well. But certainly, you probably argue they haven't been, they haven't had their best player at all this season. You know, centre back Ryan Shawcross, who, yeah, he hasn't played once this season because of that nagging back injury that I think has been sort of he, he sort of had it for a couple of seasons now, and they've sort of put off really d dealing with it. But I think they decided. They got quite a strong squad, and they thought, right, we'll do the surgery now. He's been out for three months, but he's very close to a return now. And if he comes back and certainly adds, you know, they've been obviously a clean sheet on Monday. They've been defensively looking a lot better since the start of the season. So if he can come back, you know, you certainly think that'll only strengthen them even more. And you feel that the players they've got, Shakiri hasn't really hit the ground running yet. He's 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 looked like he's struggled to me a bit. You know, he hasn't done too much yet. He obviously got an assist in his first game, but. Since then, he hasn't really impressed me that much at all. So for me, at the moment, Stoke, the only way is up for them, the way they're going at the moment, the way they're playing football, players coming back, I certainly think they look pretty good. Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, Shawcross will be quite an important one, but they haven't really missed him so far. They've, be, they've been solid defensively. We expected more attacking flair with the players they've got. You mentioned Arnautovic, Shakiri, Bojan, but defensively, they've kept that solid base. Only 10 goals conceded in nine games puts them in the top five with defensively in the Premier League, along with Watford, actually. So I'm expecting this one to be a fairly tight game, but certainly defensively, if they can get Shawcross back, because it's not just his attributes as a player, he's a leader of that defence as well. He's the captain of the team. If he can get them... It'll, You'd have to say get them even more solid from um, from what we know about Shawcross, the way he can lead the team. So only things are only, look like they're only going to get better for Stoke. Certainly, like you say, two of the top five defences here going head-to-head -head against each other. But Watford, you know, they had only conceded seven goals in the first eight games, three against Arsenal last time, losing 3-0 at home there. Obviously, Arsenal in good form at the moment. We saw them again beat Bayern Munich last night. So... You know, certainly it was a really tough game for Watford against Arsenal, but they held them for you know long periods of that game. It was nil-nil for a long, long time, and then they conceded that goal where you know Özil gets into the box. It looked like it might have been a penalty, but then Sanchez uh, sticks it away off the post, and that they were angry because they thought it should have been a penalty at the other end. Uh, I think it was Capu went past uh, Coquelin, and for me, watching the replays, it would have been very, very harsh on Watford if that had been given. But you know, Watford did have the odd chance before that. I think Igalo in the first half he had their best chance, went through on goal, and Koscielny got back and. He sort of, you know, nudged him a little bit. It wasn't enough for a penalty. Igalo looked up as if to say, you know, that should have been a penalty. But, you know, he really fluffed his lines there. Nowhere near the target. And considering the form he's been in this season, I think most people probably expected him to at least test pet check there. But he couldn't do that. So, you know, 3-0 defeat. That leaves him 15th at the moment. Not looking too good for them. But certainly, apart from that 3-0 defeat to Arsenal, they have been defensively pretty sound. But it's an attack where they're really struggling. Yeah, and I think that 3-0 defeat was very harsh on Watford. They played... They held Arsenal, as you mentioned, an inform Arsenal for a, lot, a, a long spell of that match. And as you, you mentioned, that Icarlo one, I think they need to take those sorts of chances, particularly against the big boys, but in all their matches, because particularly Icarlo, he's been getting all the goals for them at the moment. They've now got, only got one goal in the last three games, only six all season. I think five of them have come from Icarlo. Dini still hasn't scored this season. Nine games without a goal for him when he's got 20, more than 20 goals in his last three games, the first ever Watford player to do that. So they need him to start firing. There was big questions whether he could make the step up to the Premier League. Personally, I thought he could. I backed him to do that. He had the attributes. He's got the strength. He's got a bit of pace about him and he knows where the goal is. I backed him to do quite well in the Premier League and he hasn't played too badly, but he just hasn't got that goal. He hasn't really had too many clear chances either. So they need someone to shoulder this goal-scoring burden with Icaro because... With only one striker scoring, you're not going to stay in the division. And if you're only going to score six goals in the first nine games and carry on that rate throughout the season, it's going to be really tough for them. Yeah, I think you mentioned Dini there, the fact that he hasn't, just hasn't really had that many chances. Because Watford, they, you know, Flores has come in and he certainly, for me, he's laid those defensive foundations. We said, apart from the Arsenal game, their defence have been pretty good. You know, one of the best in the league, but they're not creating enough chances. And I think now that he's, he's got his players working to a certain you know, defensive style, I think maybe he just needs to experiment a bit more in attack because... You know, no matter how many you know times they concede to none or one goal in a the game, they they're not going to win. If you you're not going to win enough games, you don't score enough goals. So that's something they need to. Do. I think they need to experiment a bit more. And certainly, this game problem is going to Stoke. You know, it's always going to be a tight game. So maybe this isn't the right game to do so. And they certainly need to get a win here because they've never actually won a Premier League game in October. Do you see that changing? I don't. I can see Stoke. They're in good form and. As, as I mentioned earlier, I can see it being a tight game. I don't see Watford scoring in this sort of form at the moment, so I'm going to go for a 1-0 win for Stoke. 1-0, yeah. I see something very similar. I think it'll be 1-0 or 2-0 for Stoke, but we talked about Watford's struggles and the way Stoke are at the moment, I can't see Watford scoring either, so both picking Stoke to win this 1-0. OK, on to Upton Park for the London derby between West Ham and Chelsea. 
Pascal will start with the home side up to fourth now after that win against Palace last time out. Yeah, they've been really impressive, haven't they, this season? That's unbeaten in six Premier League games now. And the game against Palace, you know, certainly both sides going into that game, they're sort of both famed for their away records. So, so you probably look at West Ham and say they might start the game as favourites. And yeah, they were helped in the first half by that red card to Dwight Gale. But you know, for the rest of the game, they, they were always pressing, but they didn't create all that many, too, too many chances. And then the goal that in the end really sealed it for them was that 88th minute goal, Lanzini, who'd he had probably been West Ham's best player in that game. Lanzini he was in there in the box, this sort of you know deflection sort of cannoned off him and went in. So it was a bit fortunate. And then Paye obviously gets his goal. He's been involved in so many goals this season, goals and assists. Been such a key player. Great little finisher in the little fake, and then dink over the keeper. And certainly the you know those two goals, Paye's one was especially good. But I thought Jenkinson's to open the scoring was a fantastic goal as well. You know Moses that inside ball and Jenkinson one touch then outside of the boot uh, into the corner really really good finish from him and so then the way they sort of you know they were just quite patient weren't they the Gale incident you know he could have stayed on potentially but they were quite patient for the rest of the game I think they thought you know, surely we'll get a goal sooner or later it did come in the end and the 3-1 win there like I say up to fourth there looking really really good at the moment Moses we talked about that pass that he made there he can't play in this one it's his parent club but he's been a star player for them Paye Lanzini played well there they've got so many players playing really well at the moment and fourth place is a fantastic achievement after nine games yeah, and they've got players who are really capable of hurting any team in the league as well aren't they but the concern it has been a fantastic season all told for them so far but the concern will be their home form compared to the away form we know they've been fantastic um, on the road so far those wins against Arsenal Liverpool and Manchester City to kick off the season no one saw that coming they've got 13 or 15 possible points away from home but at home only four of nine which you know it's not a terrible record but you'd expect them to, to perhaps do better this one's a tough one of course against a team of Chelsea's quality despite Chelsea's struggles which we'll go on to go on to talk about but they will need to. They want to improve that record, and if they can do that and keep up the away form, then they're going to push for European football for sure. Because Bilic has got his team playing really good stuff. They've already got more away wins this season than the whole of last season. So if they can just replicate that. Whether it's the style of play that they're playing away from home, they're a bit more. They've got a bit less pressure on them. Perhaps they've got a bit more space, then more more chance to counter attack because the opposite uh, the home team is. Um, dominating possession might be the case in this match Chelsea might see more of the ball so it might suit them and might, they might be able to play it a bit more like an away game so it could suit them in that sense but they need to improve at home because away from home there's no fault in them at the moment No it certainly isn't and you know the thing they've probably been best at this season is scoring goals you know talked about the star players I mentioned it earlier Pai is playing well Lanzini had a great game against Palace and now got 20 goals in 9 games this season only Man City you've got 24 have scored more than them and City have scored 11 in their last 2 so you know, if City had say scored you know, say 8 or 7 in their last 2 they'd be about level with West Ham now so it's been a really really impressive from West Ham the amount of goals they're scoring all over the pitch as well you know, Sacco you know, last season he had that scoring run was it 7 or 8 games in a row he scored but he hasn't scored all that many this season it's been Pae, Lanzini Moses chipped in with goals. You know they've got Carroll uh, off the bench. Valencia's uh, close to return soon, so they've got so many options up there. And you just feel that they, they even if one or two players have real off days, there's, there's just players elsewhere who can score goals. Saw Jenkinson last week from right back. I think he scored in back-to-back games. Now he hadn't scored in his previous 64. I think it was something like that. So you know, when you've got goals coming from defence, midfield, attack, you know they're just scoring from all over the park and. If they can just shore up a bit better defensively and just keep these goals flying, you know, you could see them certainly sustaining this sort of top six, seven sort of uh, finish all season. And with that goal scoring rate, they'll be pretty confident against the Chelsea side who've had a leaky defence so far this season. <laughs> Having said that, it is back-to-back clean sheets for them now. Can't help but think Ivanovic's absence has helped in that respect because he's been so poor this season. But obviously he's out still injured. In midweek in the Champions League, they got a nil-nil draw against Dynamo Kiev on paper. Perhaps not the best result, but Mourinho went into that match thinking four points from that double header would, would do as well and he's got that point away from home you'd expect them to beat Dynamo Kiev um, at Stamford Bridge in the return leg and it was certainly a better draw for them than it was Kiev because Kiev have got Porto um, away from home they've got Chelsea away from home still to come can't really see them getting anything out of those two games so Chelsea they're third in the group at the moment still should be able to get through the game itself they should have won though I think it was two points dropped a real missed chance because Hazard hit the post William hit the bar with another fantastic free kick he's in such good form for dead ball situations at the moment they just they, they didn't really have the the killer instinct in the in the final third. They had a number of good positions overlaps that they could have used better, which they didn't do. They never really looked like conceding. It, they, it would have been very harsh on them had they lost the game. They'd be a bit content with a draw, but they should have won the match. And you, you can't help but feel that last season they would have gone on to win that match. Maybe a classic Mourinho two 0 win, one of those. But they couldn't get that. Still looking positive in the Champions League, but again, it's another. You'd probably say it was one of their best performances of the season so far, but the result 
wasn't what Mourinho would have ideally wanted. No, it wouldn't have been. That's something they did get at the weekend against Aston Villa in the Premier League. You know, they, they probably weren't as good as they were midweek against Villa. You know, the two goals they scored, one was from an awful defensive mistake by Guzan, cleared it out, Lescott and miscontrols it. Uh, they nip in and then Costa sticks it away. He needed that goal, you felt, and then he played a big part in the second one. It was his attempted, you know, sort of centre that Hutton deflected up and over uh, Guzan into the net. So that was quite lucky. And certainly Villa at home, Villa who, after that defeat, they've now lost five in a row. You know, it's a team that Chelsea should convincingly be beating at home. And it wasn't all that convincing, to be honest. They never really looked in trouble that much. But it's a sort of game where the position Chelsea are in at the moment, they're 12th now. You know, we know they've had a bad start to the season. Sort of game where if they really wanted to kickstart the season, they want to be putting four past a team like Villa. They couldn't really do that. Like I said, up to 12th, and you look at all the other teams that they'll be chasing this season City, Arsenal, United, all big winners last weekend, so didn't gain any ground on them. They're 10 behind City, 8 behind Arsenal, United in second and third. So it's a good win for them, especially after that defeat to Southampton before the international break, but still certainly long old way to go before they catch those guys at the top and still at the moment the way the table's looking it's going to be a really amazing job if they can uh, retain this heart from where they are what's your score prediction for this weekend i think certainly west ham will go into the match full of confidence they've definitely got a chance in this one this mother's day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from blue nile whether it's for your mom a mother figure or yourself as a mom find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, yeah, that home form, I just maybe the fact that Chelsea love more of the ball might help their counter-attacking style, but I'm just going to pick Chelsea to edge this 1-2-1. One, yeah, it's a very tough one to call, isn't it? Chelsea, you never know what to expect from them. If they perform like they did against Kiev and are a bit more clinical, they probably should win this one. West Ham's home form, as we mentioned, is not convincing, but I can't really separate the two sides. I'm going to go for a one-all draw, I think. So we've got one draw and a narrow Chelsea victory. On Saturday's evening kick-off at the Emirates, where Arsenal are up against Everton. Barnes will start the home side. Massive win in midweek against Bayern, but let's go to their last league game, 3-0 over Watford. Yeah, good result, a solid victory for them. Three goals against the Watford defence, which have been very solid up to that point so far this season. So, all good signs for um, Arsene Wenger there. I think, to be honest, the 3-0 flattered them a little bit because it was a fairly even contest. Watford only really looked like scoring when Ocarlo went through and then fluffed his lines with a really good chance. Arsenal never looked in danger of losing the match and you always expected them to go on and win, but I think 3-0 was a bit harsh on Watford in that sense. But another goal for Sanchez, another goal for Giroud coming off the bench um, and Ramsey getting the goal as well, the third one to, to cap it off. So a good victory, two points, stayed two points behind Manchester City and all the signs at the moment are pointing that they might be able to build a title challenge because they look like a more balanced outfit at the moment. Those matches against Watford... That were tight. Perhaps in years gone by, they might have struggled to get those three goals, but to win so convincingly, win so clearly, all good signs for Arsenal at the moment. Certainly, and then they go to they host Bayern in the Champions League midweek, losing their first two games of the group. It was, you know, these two games against Bayern. Now, one of them was they had to win one really to stand any chance of getting through, and they did last night. Two 0 win. Uh, Wenger kept exactly the same eleven that started against Watford, and it was a good performance from Arsenal. Certainly, Bayern had their chances. Petacek made some key saves, but then. Side in Manuel Neuer, that save from Walcott in the first half, an absolutely incredible save and almost kept out Ozil's second goal and it was Giroud who, um, like I said, he's been in good form recently, he got the, the opening goal, certainly suspicion of handball and the way it came in. Neuer missed the ball and I think Giroud knew too much about it but his hands were in front of his body and you know certainly the ball wouldn't have gone in if it hadn't touched his hands so Bayern could feel a bit aggrieved with that but you know, if you look at the stats. You know, relating to Bayern. You know, going into that game, they'd won 12 in a row in all competitions. They hadn't failed to score in the Champions League group stage in four years. So for Arsenal to inflict a defeat, keep them out as well. You know, especially you know Lewandowski. How many? It's 12 goals in five games he scored. He's been in incredible form. Thomas Muller always seems to score against English teams. To keep both of those out and keep a clean sheet, beat Bayern Munich, and really kickstart their Champions League hopes again. It's such a massive night for the club. Huge, huge win, and certainly. The way they're going in the league, like I say, get back on form in the Champions League. Things are looking good for them at the moment. They are capable now and again of those big results, aren't they? I think consistency is the key thing for them. If they can beat Bayern next week as well, then perhaps we start thinking of them as serious Champions League contenders as well as Premier League contenders. But Wenger, he's got his side playing well, um, all the key players playing well again. Sanchez is starting to hit form and he's got a very nice problem up front. We were talking earlier in the season about 
did they have a striker capable of going and winning them the league with Walcott and Giroud to choose from but both of them are in really good form at the moment Giroud's had to make do with a place on the bench at the moment but he's got five and six games now he's come off the bench and done really well I'd love to see his stats for how many of them are one-time finishes in the box he seems to be a master at that Every he seems to do it almost every time he comes off the bench so he's got two strikers banging form and while I still have my reservations over whether they're good enough to really lead the line in the title-winning side or a side that's going to go quite far in Europe, you can't argue with that form at the moment. And as long as they're keeping scoring goals, Arsenal will be able to win any game. No, certainly. So they were 3-0 winners against Watford last time, but Everton, they were on the other end of the scoreline against Manchester United on what was a really sad day at Goodison. You know, their greatest ever manager, their most successful period of the club's history, Howard Kendall, he was in charge. He passed away. And, you know, I thought certainly... Going into that match, I thought that the news of that and obviously a real sombre mood around the club might have really, you know, it's obviously the fans were really up for the game, might have G'd on the players as well, you know, the minutes applause, but it just didn't turn out the way at all. It went the other way, you know, they were sort of maybe their mind wasn't quite fully on the game because of all the, you know, there was so much, it was a massive piece of news to come through that morning. So maybe, you know, they took their mind off it a bit, but they never really got going against United. They had a spell. At uh, the start of the second half, where they had about 20 minutes, where they they looked quite bright and nearly got a couple of goals there, but they lost the game in the first half, really conceding those two goals to uh, Schneidlin and Herrera. And watching it back, United they went there with a really good game plan. You know, they sat back, they let Everton have the ball uh, in Everton's half of the pitch, and they just wait for Everton. They tr- they said to Everton, "Look, unlock us if you can." They couldn't do so, and then United, with the players they had, just hit them on the counter, took their chances when they came. Rooney getting his first goal in. Uh, away goal in 11 months I think it was so it was a good moment for him And but as for Everton you know it wasn't the best result but certainly where they're sitting in the table considering the fix they've had ninth it's still been a pretty good start Yeah I mean this is obviously another really tough one for them but as you mentioned they've, they've had a horrid start to the season and to be ninth in there after what happened last season as well fans will be fairly happy with that after what happened in the transfer window as well where they didn't really bring in too many players things are only going to get easier from now on they've got Sunderland at home next up Aston Villa at home and then uh, Bournemouth away you'd expect maximum points at less than three of their next four games you'd expect maximum points from those three games for Everton so it does get easier for them and they'll also should have key players coming back Baines close to the return Mohamed Bezic cleverly Stones and Coleman returned against Manchester United as well so they've got players coming back they've got kind of fixtures coming so they'll be confident of pushing up towards those Europe European places after what has been a tough but a, a satisfactory start to the season, I'd say. So this is probably, say, Everton's the last game of their really tough run of fixtures they've had. Do you think they can end that with a win? I think Arsenal are in too good form at the moment. I, especially at home, I can see them beating almost anyone as they showed against Bayern Munich. So I think you could go for a 2-0 Arsenal victory. I think Everton might push it a bit closer than that, but certainly I agree that Arsenal will start the match as favourites. It's hard to see them not winning this. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Arsenal win. So both picking the Gunners to win this one. Moving on to the first of two major derbies on the Sunday, and it's the Stadium and Light that plays host to Sunderland versus Newcastle. Pascal, this always seems to be a relegation battle when the two teams meet now. Start with the home side, bottom of the table. They are dropped to the bottom of the table with that 1 0 defeat at West Brom, because you know, Newcastle went and uh, won so convincingly over Norwich. But it was a big game for them, wasn't it? Allardyce's first game in charge after the international break. He'd had a bit of time to work with the team, and you expected Sunderland to come out in that game and show something different. And to be honest, they didn't really do so. In the first half, they, they probably just edged the first. I'm not sure they did enough to be in front, but they had a couple of chances. Billy Jones had a header tipped over by Myhill, and uh, Stephen Fletcher went through on goal. Good. Uh, saving challenge from Johnny Evans but apart from that it didn't do too much then soon after half time they can see the goal which you know Allardyce he was angry with it after the game and you can see why you know Pantelimon did have two hands on the ball on the ground and Berahino back heeled it out of his hands and then stuck it in but from the referee's viewpoint the linesman was looking through a crowd of players it was a really tough call to make and I don't think you can blame the officials too much there it was a really difficult call to make and to be honest Sunderland didn't really do enough after conceding the goal to get anything deserve to get anything out of the game so a disappointing start for them because I think Allardyce really would have wanted to instill a bit more belief in the team and you couldn't really see it to be honest they didn't create enough chances and yeah down to the bottom of the table Allardyce did say after the match that they couldn't really blame his players for the defeat more blamed the officials for allowing that goal to stand but fact remains still no victories this season four defeats in their last five now five points from safety already Allardyce has never been relegated in his managerial career but he's got a huge task ahead of him to uh, uh, prevent that being the case for the first time this time um, this is his first home game in charge of the club, of course, and you'd expect the fans to be behind him, get a rousing atmosphere even more so than they usually would be with a derby like that. Allardyce has never lost his first home game in charge of a Premier League side. He's won three of the four he's had before, which is a record he'll be desperate to keep. And if he can do it in this derby, then it might be the catalyst they need. It has been in the past for previous managers to, to get that run of form that helps him stay up. And there, there's no better um, match for them for Sunderland to win than this one. 
particularly if they, they're going to turn their season around because it has been such a poor start. Mm. Well, they've had a lot of managers in the last few years, Sunderland, haven't they? But you know, some of them overall haven't done that well. But what's, one thing they've all done well is this weird time derby. You know, they've won their last five games against their rivals, and certainly it's massive boots for Allardyce to fill. You know, they've had the bragging rights for a long old time now, Sunderland, over Newcastle, and this is such a huge game for the club. Allardyce, it would be just such a blow for them if he's the man. He's just come in, and if he's the man who gives Newcastle their first win, I think it's since 2012. So that would be a huge, huge blow for him and he'll become the first Premier League manager to take charge of both teams in this derby, manage Newcastle of course so just so many things in this game point to it's just such a huge day for Allardyce I think the way he, what the team he picks and just how the team play and if they can get a result it's just such, such a massive game for him personally, for the team, for the city, for the whole area of football up there in the North East, just a massive, massive day. And you don't often say second game in charge is, is as big a one as this one as it is for Allardyce but pressure is on him already but the pressure was on McLaren for Newcastle. He'll be feeling a lot better about himself right now and the team after that 6-2 win over Norwich last them out. First win of the season and what a win it was. So emphatically, uh, McLaren was saying for a while that a win was around the corner, but I don't think even he expected a 6-2 victory. To be fair, the scoreline did flatter his side. Norwich had their chances. They hit the post twice. They had one cleared off the line. Could have been a 6-5 match. It was that that good a game so many chances at either end of the field so defensively Newcastle they, they've still got a lot to work on but in attack they were so clinical that was the main thing for them six shots on target six goals Wijnaldum who has hit the ground running since he's come to the club he's been him and perhaps Musa Sissoko got three assists for himself and was heavily involved in another one of the goals as well probably been their standout players and what has been such a tough start to the season they were both on such good form against Norwich a 6-2 victory obviously looks really good it's not the finished product it wasn't a perfect performance but to get that first win under the belt McLaren's first win in the Premier League and um, in charge of Newcastle ahead of such a big game it's going to do them the world of good absolutely yeah but like you say they, they could have conceded five goals in that game and even though they only conceded two that's 19 they've conceded in nine games exactly the same amount as Sunderland and you know, they've lost Tim Krull for I think it's 10 months so he's going to be out Carl Darlow the reserve keeper he's also out so Rob Elliott's and got quite a long injury list Newcastle and you know, you look at their attack stats, you know, the amount of goals they've scored, that's been major, majorly boosted by those six against Norwich. And, you know, that they could get out of the bottom three this weekend, but we talked about Allardyce, how big a game this is for him, because, you know, he's got big boots to fill, given how well the Sunderland managers have done in recent years. But if McLaren can be the man to get that first Newcastle win over Sunderland, it'd be just as big for him. Their record in recent years against Sunderland is absolutely terrible. They've only scored one goal in 537 minutes. That's almost six games of football against Sunderland. So terrible in recent years against the Black Cats and if McLaren can be the man to put that right here you know that, that would just be huge for him and the club and like you said Wijnaldum comes into this great form he was the Dutch footballer of the year last year so it was a good signing for them and if he can keep pushing on the way he's going Mitrovic getting another goal Perez looks bright up there those guys up there they look really bright but it's defensively where they really need to improve and if there's a team you want to play and you want to try and keep a clean sheet, it probably is Sunderland because you know they're really struggling. So, really interesting game. A massive game for both sides. Which way do you see it going? I see a Newcastle win, actually. I think Sunderland, even though it's Allardyce's first home game in charge, they've been fantastic in recent years. I just think the, that run's going to stop in the weird time derby. They've been fantastic recently, Sunderland, but I'm just going to pick Newcastle to edge it because of that win last week. I'm going to think they're going to win 2-0. For me, it could go either way. It's a really tough one to call, but Sunderland, they just always seem to raise their game. Allardyce against his old club he would want to have a point to prove because he's fairly harshly treated by Newcastle I think Sunderland fans are going to be up for it the players are going to be up for it I think I'm going to go the other way I'm going to go for a Sunderland 2-0 victory so we're both split on this one there's two games kicking off at 5 past 2 this Sunday and we'll start at Dean Court where Bournemouth are up against Tottenham Hotspur Barnes will start at Spurs sitting 7th after that 0-0 draw with Liverpool yeah it was a bit of a strange one for Tottenham obviously everything pre-match was geared towards Jurgen Klopp's first game in charge of Liverpool so they sort of snuck in under the radar for that one I think if Brendan Rodgers was in charge, Tottenham at home, then they'd be considered favourites for that, but everyone expected Liverpool in their first game under clock to really be up for the game. In the end, it was a bit of an anti-climax in terms of the actual match from a neutral point of view, nil-nil in the end, which, all things considered, I don't think either side would be too dissatisfied with. Tottenham probably would have taken that, they might have been expecting a bigger fight from Liverpool with Klopp in charge, and... Tottenham rode their luck at times. There was that Origi chance which hit the crossbar, but at the same time they had chances themselves. Mignolet had to make two really good saves in particular, so both sides could have won that match. Share of the spoils in the end, perhaps fair. You'd say if either side deserved to win, it was probably Tottenham, and so they might view that as maybe two points dropped at home against one of the rivals expected to push for a European spot along with them. But all in all, a nil-nil draw against Liverpool with Klopp first game in charge, they'll be fairly happy with that, I think. 
Yeah, I think they can be fairly happy, but I think when you look at the Liverpool starting lineup, the amount of key players they had out injured, mm. I think for Spurs probably a bit of a missed opportunity there. I know it was Klopp's first game in charge and all the focus was there, but I think for Spurs, you know, the chance they had Kane missed another one there and obviously like you said, Mignolet was he had that great save for Minji. But looking, you know, back to the opening day of the season, that was when they lost their only game this season against Manchester United since then, unbeaten in eight. So they have you know, really really stabilised since that. You know, it was a it was a tough way to start the season at United a defeat there, but not not lost a game in the league since then, you know, beating, you know, beat Man City four one at home. So they've had some really impressive results in there. And, you know, defensively is where they've been, you know, the best this season. You know, they've conceded the joint fewest goals with Arsenal, seven goals, you know, another clean sheet against Liverpool in that in that last game. So it's been a decent start, but just not quite enough wins. Seventh in the table at the moment. They're seven points off City, three points off the top four. So considering where they've been, it's been an okay start, but I think certainly the platform's there for them to push up towards the top six now and yeah, I mean, unbeaten in eight, you can't really complain with that. It's been a very, pretty solid run. I think the concern for them this weekend, though, is injuries. Chadley looks like he's out for uh, six weeks, maybe up to two months with his, the latest injury he's picked up. So that's a big blow for them. Looks like Clinton and G is going to come in. For me, I think he's looked pretty bright so far. He's shown signs that he can be an exciting player, quite skillful player. Perhaps he might not be consistent enough to be a regular starter, a bit, a bit hit and miss like some of those players can be, but... He's shown enough signs to be exciting. Son started his Tottenham career really well. He's been injured lately. I think this weekend might be a bit too soon for him, but if they, when they get him back, that'll be a real big plus because he, he sh- uh, started sharing the goal-scoring burden a bit when with a few goals before he got injured. The big concern for, against Liverpool was in midfield because they had Bentaleb, Mason, Dyer all out. They brought in Ali and they brought in Dembele to sit in, in defensive midfield and both of them played well, you'd have to say. When they come back, Dyer, he's been performing really well in that position. He'd probably be first choice and then one of Bentaleb and Mason. But Ali's been performing really well in that position lately. And they've got a lot of players who can fill in there. They've got a very versatile midfield. And that'll be a big plus for Pochettino, particularly as the three behind the striker. They've got a lot of a lot of options there as well with the likes of Eriksen, Lamella, Chadley, G and so on. Mm, definitely. And I think Spurs are going to this match starting as favourites against a Bournemouth team who are struggling a bit at the moment, down 17th. And they could drop into the bottom three this weekend if results conspire against them. Last time out, they go to Man City. Always going to be a really tough game going to City there. And, you know, City for the international break, they put six past Newcastle, five past Bournemouth they got. And that was with a gra- without Aguero as well. You know, Bonnie came in, he scored two, Sterling with three in that game. Bournemouth... You know, they got it back to 2-1 at one point with that Glenn Murray. Uh, it was a deflected shot that Joe Hart couldn't really do much about, but that was their only shot on target in the whole game. So they never really looked like pushing City at all there. Real, real struggle for them at the moment. You know, they started the season, OK, they had some really good performances here and there, but the way it's been going recently for Bournemouth, it looks like the relegation scrap is going to be on the cards all season long this year. And, you know, little to dispel any sort of thoughts about that happening recently because the results simply haven't been good enough. Yeah, the key form key thing for them if they are to stay up I think is going to be home form as it often is with newly promoted sides and in fairness they've shown decent signs they've um, they've only lost one in four unbeaten in the last three and that that defeat and was on the opening day of the season against Aston Villa so haven't lost at home since then the injury list they've got you have to say has been so harsh on them they not just a long injury loss not just a full treatment room but key players as well all players who will probably make Eddie Howe starting 11 and to lose all of those players Obviously, it's not going to do any good for you. They need they need really to come together and show a lot of fighting spirit. These the players behind them in the pecking order need to stand up and be counted because Bournemouth going to rely on them almost a second choice, uh, half a second choice first team for a lot of the season to keep them in the division. So they need that. Wilson's spoken about defying the doctor's predictions and getting back before the season, but realistically, April is probably the very earliest you can expect them back. By which time. Bournemouth season might already be over if they carry on the way they're going so it's it's a tall order for them and home form as I mentioned is going to be key for them if they're going to change that and if they can get anything out of this game it'll be a bonus but it should also give them a lift if they're capable of doing it. Yeah absolutely will and I think the one thing for Bournemouth they, they want to get Harry Arter back as soon as possible he's been sort of a doubt like on the periphery of coming back to the team for the last couple of weeks but they need him back as soon as possible if he does it'd be a huge boost but it's still a big ask for Bournemouth in this one what's your prediction? I wouldn't be too surprised if Bournemouth got something out of the game, but I think Tottenham are in decent form, so I'm going to back them to win 2-1. 2-1. Yeah, I think Spurs might win by a single goal as well, but I think they might keep another clean sheet in this one. I'm going to go for a 1-0 win for Spurs, so both picking Spurs to edge this one. Old Trafford plays host to the biggest game of the weekend. It's Manchester United versus Manchester City, two of the top three going head-to-head. Pascal will film in this before both teams are in action in the Champions League, so we'll start with the most recent league game. 
Manchester United 3-0 winners against Everton last time out. Yeah, that was a really, really impressive win because, you know, before the international break, they had that 3-0 defeat at Arsenal where completely capitulated in the opening 20 minutes and then they had the two-week break off. And on the morning of that match, you know, the news came through that Howard Kendall, Everton's greatest ever manager, had passed away. And you certainly thought that really would have... I mean, it was it, Everton United, they're usually great games anyway, but that would have even intensified the match even more. And you thought that... It really would have lifted Everton to, you know, really put in a, a really good performance there. But United just just kind of stopped them doing so. They defended really well in the first half. Didn't really, they sat off them a bit, you know, just just said to Everton, have the ball in your half and then try and break us down. They couldn't do so. They took their chance when they came. Uh, Schneidlin and Herrera give them a 2-0 lead at half-time. And from there, it was always going to be a fairly comfortable game for them. And then Rooney, that was a massive moment for him getting his first away goal since, you know, last November. So big moment for him against his former club, of course, as well. So... All in all, a really impressive performance there. You know, third in the table they're sitting, and you have to say that that was such an important win for them after that. What was a really crushing defeat against Arsenal? Yeah, and especially as United, they had a bit of a hoodoo at Goodison Park themselves, and Rooney had as well. I think that was his first goal there since 2007. Mm-hmm. And they'll be hoping that should be the catalyst to get Rooney really firing this season because he still hasn't hit top form. He's shown flashes, shown glimpses, but personally, I thought he was going to have a really good season this season. Back up front um, towards the start of the season before Martial came in when last season he was spending a lot of time in central midfield so I thought he'd get himself um, a few goals and if he is going to get it there's no better fixture than this one he's got a fantastic record in it 11 goals in Manchester derbies which is more than anyone has ever managed in this fixture so he's a legend of the fixture and if he can get fit and firing if he can get um, some goals under his belt get a good score and run going then it'll go a long way towards Manchester United putting in a really good strong title challenge this season definitely and you talk about the title challenge there if they win this game they go back above City they might not go top of the table depending on because Arsenal have got a better goal difference than them at the moment but certainly you know the bait is there you know they know if they win this game they're back above their rivals and they certainly fancy themselves you know Van Gaal since he came in his home record with the team has been excellent they've won 17 of 23 in the Premier League at home so that's a fantastic record only conceded 16 goals in those 23 games as well so Van Gaal's he's really improved their home record their away record we talked about it I think last time that David Moyes had a better away record than Van Gaal but you know, the, the most important thing is to get all those you know, 17 or 23 that's I think 75% of you know, winning if you're winning 75% of your home games that's, that's a really good record and if they can just eke out a few more away wins they'll certainly they should be there or thereabouts come the end of the season City don't look like they're going to really run away with it at the moment probably Arsenal perhaps look the strongest of all of them Arsenal and City but United are certainly in the conversation Chelsea you'd still expect them to come good but it looks like it could be a very interesting title race and this game is going to play a huge part in it yeah you know United are running bang into a City in four months. They could five one winners against Bournemouth last time out, six uh, goals against Newcastle before the international break. So 11 in the last two. Obviously, it was Aguero to start the show against Newcastle with five goals, but losing him during the international break, there was big questions over whether they could pose as big an attacking threat without him. But they did that. The five goals, Sterling popped up with a hat-trick. I think with Sterling, although he got the hat-trick, there are still questions over his finishing because he just doesn't be able to... He, can't find the corner with his shots really can he just he, he showed good composure for his second goal the other two were fairly simple finishes but good composure for a second goal to take his time and score but even that one was pretty central finish so mm-hmm. I think there are still big questions over whether he can become a regular double figure goal scoring uh, player but Bonnie the big question over him was could he fill in for Aguero he stepped up with a couple of goals they'll be delighted with that so the, there are still goals in the team even without Aguero there's no doubt that Aguero missing again he's had a lot of injuries recently but there's no doubt that Every time they miss him, he's, he's a, a huge um, boots to fill, and it's a, a tough task for anyone to do them. But if Bonnie, Sterling, De Bruyne, Silva, those lights of players can continue chipping in with goals and assists, then it's going to go a long way towards. Uh, tempering the loss of Aguero certainly but I think you know that that was a game against Bournemouth who only managed one shot on target it'd be interesting to see how those players you know Bonnie especially if he starts you know we know that Chris Smalling's doing fantastically at centre-back for United it's going to be a much much harder game for those players I mean Bournemouth they're always going to give them a few chances and it'd be interesting to see it's Kevin De Bruyne's biggest game since he joined the club you know he's got four goals four assists in, in his six games for Man City so massive game for him massive game for Sterling obviously ex-Liverpool player going to United so there's going to be a lot of pressure on him even more so after the hat-trick last week and you look Silver could be back this week he's sort of on the periphery but Kolarov is going to be back earlier than expected so that's a big boost for them and certainly recent record in derbies you know they've won six of the last eight Premier League derbies against United City so they'll come into this full of confidence you know last season they did lose 4-2 at Old Trafford so that, that might be playing on their mind a bit as well but certainly both sides will come into this full of confidence depending on what they do you know they, they we haven't we're talking about this before the Champions League depending on what they do in the Champions League but in terms of the league they're both playing well at the moment and yeah it should be a really really entertaining game which way do you see it going? 
I see I see goals in this one, certainly. I think it's hard to imagine they're not being goals the way the two teams are playing at the moment, but I can't pick a winner. I'm going to have to go 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, I'm really struggling with this one. I can't decide which way it's going to go. I can see goals as well. I mean, I was touring with the idea of United 4-1 or 4-2, a repeat of last season. Their home record, as mentioned, under Van Gaal is so good. But City is scoring goals. I think Aguero will be a big miss in a match like this. I think I'm going to back United to win goals as well. I think I'm going to go for a 3-2 victory. So have got one Manchester United victory and a draw. Last up this weekend, we go to Anfield for the 4pm kickoff between Liverpool and Southampton. Barnes will start the home side. Last time out, Jurgen Klopp's first game in charge. 0-0 draw at Tottenham Hotspur. This is his first game at Anfield, a big one. Yeah, it is a big one. The, the one against Tottenham, not the worst result in the world. Tottenham probably went into that match as slight favourites, focusing mat on matters only on the pitch because their form had been good. Liverpool's have been, Liverpool's have been a bit shaky, but obviously the whole pre-match thing was all about Jurgen Klopp's first game in charge. And there was an expectation Liverpool raised their game. In the end, it was a bit of an anti-climax. Origi hitting the bar was the closest Liverpool came to winning that match, and they relied on a couple of really good Samuel Mignolet saves to prevent them from losing the match. So on the pitch, yeah, as I mentioned, a bit of an anti-climax, but you could see that the the work Klopp had already been do doing on the training ground, they they um, pressed Tottenham really well. That's going to be a feature of their play under Klopp, I think. And as you mentioned, this is his first home game in charge, and it's going to be a big one. I think Anfield is going to be rocking for it. Everyone, everyone seems to be behind Klopp. Everyone seems there's a buzz about the club now that he's come in. And I think one thing about Klopp is he's, he's, he's a very likable figure. I think the media are going to like him. No one can, no one's really got a bad word to say about him at the moment. He's, he's eccentric. He's got the characteristics which endear him to the media. And, Further down the line, if he goes through a tough patch, which you'd expect he would, as all managers do, then that's going to help him, I think. With with Rodgers, there was comparisons to David Brent. People called him deluded. He was a bit of a comedy figure at times. Media made fun of him. People on social media made fun of him. But with Klopp, you can't see that happening to the same extent, which should be good for the club. It should help him in the hard times they have. But looking ahead to the immediate future, obviously that's hopefully not down the line, but it probably will be down the line. Um, looking ahead to the immediate future, Anfield is going to be rocking for this game. It's a big game, Jurgen Klopp's first home game in charge, and I think he'll be confident they'll come away with all three points. I think they should be, because that, I think that result against Spurs was a good one. Spurs in their last home game beat City 4-1, so that was, shows how good they've been at White Hart Lane recently. And I think, considering the side that he trotted out there, I think it wasn't. It, they did well to keep Spurs out. I mean, they didn't score, but you look at the injury list he had going into that game. Since being named manager, he lost Danny Ings, Joe Gomez, both to ACL injuries, probably both out for the rest of the year. I'm not sure... You know, Ings had been in and out of the team and Gomez started the season but then he'd lost his place in recent weeks so neither is a huge blow but they're important squad players and if the injuries keep you know stacking up like they have you know they're, they're probably going to be without Benteke for me you know Lovren for this one Sturridge he was expected to play against Spurs but then he, Klopp didn't risk him I don't think he thought maybe there was just a slight kneel didn't risk him so he should be coming back for this one but certainly you know the, the the team Klopp's inherited, you know, just as a, as a squad, when you look at them, it is quite a strong squad, but the amount of players injured at the moment is making life quite difficult. And he's, he's talk about maybe bringing back uh, Lazar Markovic. He's on loan at Fenerbahce at the moment, which just shows that, because they obviously felt he wasn't needed at all this season, have sent him out to Turkey. But if the, the way the injuries are going, they might need him back. And yeah, it's not been the easiest start for Klopp. The fixtures are difficult, and then he's got the injuries as well. But yeah, I think it was a positive start, I suppose. I think the key things you mentioned there about the injuries was how many strikers there are involved. Because last season, the big problem was when Sturridge got injured, did we have the? Did Liverpool have the depth to, to deal with that? And with Lambert and Balotelli, he simply didn't. During the summer, you thought they'd invested heavily in that um, area of the field, and they they do have good depth there. You didn't really see foresee such a big injury crisis coming up front. To have Sturridge, Benteke, and Ings out is is, is pure bad luck for Liverpool. And with Origi as the fourth choice striker, you wouldn't have even had that last season. So that is a plus. And Origi, you know, he showed signs he's particularly in last summer's World Cup where he actually became Belgium's first choice striker ahead of the likes of Benteke so he's obviously got the quality but ideal scenario you'd have Sturridge and Benteke fit there they should provide good competition so it hasn't been easy going for Klopp um, up front is the big problem this season they've only scored eight goals so far in the Premier League only two teams have conceded fewer so that's the that's the key area for him to improve he will be helped by players coming back from injury it's Sturridge the key one of those, Benteke obviously also key, Ings a big blow for him but as you mentioned him and Gomez it could have been worse, two players being ruled out for the season so it's not the biggest blow, 
still is a blow and it hurts the depth at left back and up front but it could have been worse for Klopp though it's a bit of a baptism of fire for him because obviously he's had uh, Tottenham in his first game Southampton here then he's got Chelsea away Crystal Palace at home and we know how good Palace are on the road and then Manchester City away so really tough start for him if he can get through them with quite a few points we'll start to know what he's made of I think they'll start this game they'll probably view this as maybe the easiest game in that run but Southampton you know in their last away game they went to Stamford Bridge beat Chelsea 3-1 that was a great performance from them that ended a 10 game winless array run uh, dating back to February so that was a really really impressive win they got there and but then last week, you know, after the international break, they host Leicester. 2-0 lead they take uh, in the first half through those uh, goals from the centre-backs, Fonte and Van Dijk. You know, Fonte's header did that really well to direct that in the corner. The second one shouldn't have stood. It was offside and then, you know, the ball came back off the post twice before Van Dijk finally hit it in. So they took the two-goal lead there and, you know, they must, you know, Ronald Koeman must have said at half-time, look, look at what Leicester have done, you know, the rest of the season. They've come back multiple times from two-goal, you know, deficits like this and they couldn't hold him out. He brought on Mares at half-time, uh, Ranieri, he made a difference. And then Vardy, you know, the man in form, league's top, top goal scorer, he scored two goals. And Koeman said after the game, look, you have to hand it to Leicester. They did really well to come back. And But in that, st- in, when, you're in that position, when you're in that position, Southampton at home, beating Leicester 2-0, you have to see that result out if you want to push. I mean, they're sitting eighth at the moment, Southampton, but if they want to push for a top seven finish, they have to see those kind of games out. I certainly see it as two points drop, won't they, particularly going into this match, which, as you say, is not an easy game at all. Both sides level um, 13 points going into this match. You'd expect both of them to push for the European places. Southampton, after last season, haven't quite hit those heights this this time around so far, but you'd still expect them to be pushing the likes of Tottenham and Liverpool for those European places and perhaps even pushing further up for the Champions League places where that may be one step beyond them this season. Um, Liverpool away is their toughest um, match in the next few games. Obviously, the one against Leicester they would have seen as a winnable one. They should have won that, but Anfield. But then they've got Bournemouth at home and Sunderland away. Two teams have really struggled at the start of the season. So they may not, they'll be happy probably with a point from this match thinking that in the next two games they should be taking maximum points really to help them move up the table. So it's a huge, huge game for Jurgen Klopp. Anfield debut for him. How do you think he'll get on? I think he'll get on well. I can't really see Liverpool losing this one with the whole scenario around it. I expect Anfield to be a great place to be. Really good atmosphere. The fans really getting behind the team like they haven't done for a while under Brendan Rodgers. So I can see Liverpool winning this one probably 3-1. 3-1. I actually am going to back Southampton to get something out of the game. I think that just I just think that that Liverpool injury list is bad, and I think Southampton, the way they played against Chelsea in their last away game, I think they might just nick a point here and sort of rain on Klopp's parade. So I'm going to go for a one-all draw. So got one Liverpool win and a draw. So a real blockbuster of a Sunday there, and that's all ten games covered and predicted. Make sure you head to sportsmall.co.uk throughout the weekend for live coverage of each and every single one. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.